Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vin. Z, this week, I thought we would continue our discussion from last week. And last week we were talking a bit about the project that I'm working on. And what's been interesting to me about this process is I don't have experience in music. I have experience writing. And I can write in a powerful, raw, compelling way, a way that creates clarity, that stirs emotion. I've always been good at writing. Easy for me to do. Stuff just flows out. And the interesting thing for me about writing is that it's unrestricted. And in fact, at times when I'm just sitting there typing on my computer, it's almost like I hit a meditative state. I don't know if that's the right word, but there's this whole idea that we can be the observer and just stand back and observe ourselves doing what we're doing. So when things are really flowing and I'm just, fingers are flying across the keyboard, ideas, emotions, words, spilling out, no control over what's coming next. There's no identification that I have with the ideas that are coming out. I'm not thinking of them as my ideas. In fact, there's no identification with the body that is typing these ideas. There's an awareness, just an awareness of this process, the results of the process, without the identification, without the control. That's not always the way that I write. If I need to structure things, I can take that raw material, I can massage it. That requires getting back in that identification mode. Or sometimes I'll start from that place because I've got a certain topic in mind that I want to explore. But the point I'm trying to make is that writing is very free. It's very liberating for me. And I think that's why I'm effective at doing it because there aren't these restrictions in place. And I can choose what to do with the work. I can choose to share it, delete it immediately as soon as I get everything down on the page. I can take it, turn it into something else, whatever the case may be. So there's all this emotion that pours into it. And now when I'm moving from that to creating a spoken delivery of this with music in the background, there are a couple of things going on. One there's just the unfamiliarity of working with music. The rhythm, the beat, the intonations of my voice matching the different instruments in the piece so that it feels coherent. And then there's this other aspect of myself which is analyzing what I'm doing as I'm doing it. So am I on track with the beat? Do I have the right inflections, the right pauses? Am I conveying the appropriate amount of intensity? Is the shit any good? 
Is it compelling? Is it going to hit? So I got all this stuff going in my mind. And the irony of this is when I'm in this space, I, I think some of it is necessary. I mean, there's almost a training phase. So as, as I've been working on staying in rhythm, there's maybe a certain amount of thinking that you need to do that, to just train yourself to to hear the beat, to listen, play around with things, get a sense of what it means to synchronize. But once I have that foundation in place, the harder I try, the worse I do, and the more contrived it becomes, and it sounds like I'm trying to be something instead of just being that, whatever story I'm trying to tell. I'm not immersed in that story I'm trying to inject it with an emotion that it doesn't naturally have. And I think this is related to a couple of things we've been talking about. So control is a big thing. This idea that I need things to work out in a certain way. Also, given my my training, my academic training, my business training, I'm used to thinking of things as a progression towards a final product. So let's get this to the best point that it can be. And once it's there, let's try and replicate that every time we deliver it. So if I'm doing a presentation, I've got roughly a script in mind. When I deliver it, I've got an idea of what it should sound like and success is, okay, can I get as close to that idea in my head as possible. And this process is very different from that because there's no right, there's no static ideal. There's just whatever is appropriate for that particular moment in time. And every expression is unique. Every expression is going to depend on whatever emotions are going through me, whatever the broader context is. Wherever I start, with the music, if I start at one place versus another, the entire piece could come out differently. And that's been interesting for me because accepting that the fluid aspect of this process leads to a much better product. It makes it much more genuine, much more authentic. But I've had to... I don't even know how I do it. I mean, maybe you could shed some light because you've been helping me along, but... There's a certain point that I get to where I, I, I try and control and I try and understand and my brain short circuits and I get frustrated and there's like a trigger and something snaps and then I get more just into the flow and it comes out better. And today was interesting because as I was going through this, I started really feeling at times a flow where there wasn't thought. There was just fluidity and there's more, a lot more lightness, a lot more levity. The whole serious aspect of this dropped away, but I flirt with those, with those two states. I'm on that edge in the best of circumstances. In my normal life, I analyze things, I try and control things. So that's where I want to start the discussion today. We've been talking about this idea of control in life, as you pointed out, you have to do a certain amount of planning. You have to think about the future. You want to organize your environment in a way that suits whatever your needs are, creates some safety, ensures that you can take care of your family. Our ability to imagine 
allows us to rehearse interactions before we really get to them. And presumably there's some advantage in doing that, thinking a little bit about what we want to say, how to present ourselves. But if we do that too much, then we destroy the authenticity and the passion and the richness of who we are. And we turn into an anxious mess in the extreme if we're always hyper-analyzing every single thing that we're doing. How do we walk that line? How do you think about how much we plan and control versus how much we let go and flow and how we can navigate those two states? As you know, as, as I've watched your process um, being at the studio and presenting, reading what you write, uh, and also being your friend, I think about all of us can learn from the the yin yang theory of life. For yin yang, it's not binary. It's not correlative. It's not dualistic. It teaches us that the tangible and the intangible are harmoniously intertwined, not equally, but harmoniously. That yes, we plan and we adjust to those things that we can, yet we accept another portion that can't be planned, that we surrender, we abide by, we accept. They say that Fate is like a wayward mistress that visits you at the least opportune time. They also say shit happens. Things come up. And the more that we have the Tao of me, the Tao of self, the Tao of Vin, the Tao of Caitlin together, it allows us to navigate the the whimsical nature of fate. And it shows itself in a myriad of ways. You're a very good writer. You're a very good uh, visionary. And you're a cipher of the moment of the day. Yet you were trained in such a way, educated, indoctrinated in such a way, that if you can control, measure, calculate every variance, things will work out according to that calculation. The challenge now is this isn't that kind of thing. This is your gift. It is an ability you have. It is something innate to you. It comes from the bottom of your heart. And you express yourself. And it gets better when the tears flow. And then at moments when you try to describe or explain where the tears come from. They can't be explained. That's the intangible part of human life. That is the no name, the name of no name. That is the gospel of you. When I talk about that, think about this idea of the gospel. It's not the words, it's what the words provoke. It's not the scripture. It's the idea of the scripture, how it motivates you, how it moves you, how it elevates you. What we call in Taoism and Chinese medicine is the shin. 
the ardor and emanation, the enthusiasm of the unseen that moves what is seen. It is the ability to see things that are unseen by all others and then manifest what is seen. And that's where there, we encounter a different type of challenge because you can't control it. You can't own it. You can't contain it. It simply is. When that gospel of you hits you, it elevates you, it moves you, it inspires you in ways that nothing tangible can do. It cannot be bought or sold, can't be traded or bartered. It's a variance that is unexplainable, but it's obvious. And it is fleeting, as they say, as the wind, as even the thoughts in the mind. You know when you are there and you start to recite what you've written and you feel and you see the world in front of you being made clear, disassembling and reassembling, that narrative comes to be. It makes sense of a world that seems to make no sense. You're able to make sense of that in that moment, but it's not just your ability to physically write or print out that. It's what you're seeing and you're giving script and narrative to what you see. The soothsayer, the visionary. There are people that envisioned our world long time ago. Orwell wrote a book, 1984, that's as relevant, it's more relevant now than it was when it was written. As we talked earlier, Khalil Gibran sold more copies of The Prophet long after his death and all while he was alive. He sold more books dead than he did alive because the relevancy of his work was perfect for the moment that people were ready to listen and that was long after his death. So those are the parts of the human experience, the things that you can't weigh or measure, but they make us human. Take the unseen away and there's nothing to see. There is nothing to see. We do ourselves a favor by having devotion for the gospel of the self, the I am meditation, the me. Understanding that everything material is changing, dissolving, evolving, transforming with every breath we take. Every day, millions of people board aircrafts, no thought about it, some with a bit of fear, trepidation, some not. And they want to know that everything is five by five, all the mechanics on the plane work. But are there unseen forces that are working all the time that will determine between a safe flight and a catastrophic flight? That plane is expanding and contracting. The current of air flowing over that plane at a certain speed maintains the, the quality of water for a period of time. A lofty flock of birds can stop a motor at low altitude, so you want to get higher than the highest bird. Ice, snow, 
all those can affect an uneventful thing. Though thousands, tens of thousands of engineers, scientists have made, done everything they possibly can to ensure that your flight is uneventful. But in the tens of thousands of minds calculating millions of millions of variances, there's the one in a billion chance that something will go wrong. And you're banking on that. You're just a gambler. You're just a common gambler rolling the dice, hoping the odds go your way. Every day we leave home and drive either a short or long distance to work. We are rolling the dice on our safety. But we've given ourselves enough checks and balances and details to feel like it's worth the risk in certain areas. And people who say, well, I'm averse to risk. I won't take any risk. I'm going to vaccinate. I'm going to hibernate. I'm going to calculate so that my life is uneventful. Isn't that interesting? So my life is uneventful. But what is life but a moment of events? Isn't that interesting? We're striving for an uneventful life when life itself is an event brought on by a moment of lust and a whim of fate. And we're here. So the intangible has brought the tangible to be. And we're striving for the tangible to be unchanging. So we stifle, we buffer ourselves. That is what you're struggling with now. Your art is dynamic, it's rich, it's moving, it's inspiring. And the only liability to that, that is that one who is used to controlling and managing that lives in that illusion is trying to bring that illusion into permanency. That's all that's happening, right? Yeah, what's interesting about what you're saying is that implicitly we accept that there's a lot that we can't control. You gave the example of the flight of the car walking outside. We all know that there are so many things that could go wrong in day-to-day -day life, yet we're willing to roll the dice, go with the flow, take our chances. So if that's happening implicitly, why is it that we focus on certain things and try and control those? You think about risk in life. You think about the attention paid to the current pandemic. There's a lot of bad shit that could happen, but we ignore it. This happens to get a lot of attention, so it's front and center and people are freaked out about it. You kind of think about different causes. Maybe it's the out of sight, out of mind, where you see something on the local news or something happens to someone close to you and you're outraged, yet you've got millions of people around the world suffering in various states of distress, catastrophe. You never even think about it. I think it was Stalin who said that one life lost is a tragedy and a million lost is a statistic. So maybe it's the same thing with control. I wonder your perspective on this. I mean, why is it that there are certain aspects that we try so hard 
to control and focus on those when the foundation of life, as you said, is uncontrollable. At some level, we must recognize that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to get out of bed and do anything. So where does this whole need to control come from? Fool's efficiency. Fool's efficiency. What does that mean? It means that we hear something enough. It becomes efficient. It becomes unquestioning. And if we go along with it, we believe that there's a reward to that. So we go along with things in the grand scheme. In the microcosm of our life, we feel relieved that we're a part of something, that we're in the know, that we're on the right track, that we're on the right path. Right? So when you break it down, it sounds very foolish. You're worried about things that have no effect on you. And the things that affect you, you worry little about. You worry about things you have no control over, but the things you control over, you don't take responsibility for. You see? Things of a fool. And it is intelligence. That simple ability to discern and discriminate. That in our moment, in this moment, is so greatly despised. Why? Because it leaves you alone. You are no longer the fool, but now you're responsible yourself. You're the self-possessed, the self-realized. That's challenging. It's hard to do. And in a world that has aversions to challenge, aversion to what's difficult, yeah, it's a tough time to be mindful. This is a tough time to be intelligent. It's lonely right now to think for yourself to not be part of the fool's carnival. Just think for yourself. Do the math for yourself. It'll bring tears to your eyes because you'll just be standing there by yourself. And unless you're very sound in your gospel, your Tao, being alone is a very difficult place for human beings to be. So we'll attach to this fool's folly because we want to be a part of something. Are you part of it? Are you part of it? It's the latest trend, the latest mood. I'm in the know. I'm keeping up. Keeping up with who and what? I'm part of it. I'm in it. I'm on the good side and they're on the bad side. Or I'm on the bad side and they're on the good side. Of what? Of what? I heard the other day someone saying, Oh, these politicians are the wrong, on the wrong side of history. See, that's a weird thing to say. History is yet to be written. And it's his story, it's not the story. So whoever writes it will write themselves in as being okay. Whoever is the inheritor of the bounty of those will say, that's a great thing. They'll write us, it's not the story. So why would anybody care to be on the right or wrong side of his story? You'll always be on the right side of your story, no matter who it is. So this is all foolish. And that's why, you know, we've been taught by the great text that there will be times like this. 
in a lifetime of an individual and even in the lifetime of a group or a society. So abandoning that ship of fools, row your own boat. And I'm not saying that for the sake of rugged individualism. It's what we've always said. The healthiest thing you could do is think for yourself. In so many areas of life, then, a guy like you has a gift and a talent, and you've also, you've also played along. You're the lion amongst lambs, and you've been real good. You're the vegetarian lion. But your, 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 your stomach has never been satisfied. Lions just don't like, you know, kale and um, uh, infused uh, whatever, leaf spinach or something. They need blood. I'm not saying I'm a vegetarian myself, but I'm just saying if you have the lion archetype or that archetype, you have to feed it. It can't eat what other things eat. That's about the Tao of you. Excuse me. For all of us, finding our Tao, finding our way, finding the gospel of the self and being still in your gospel. It's unlike, not unlike why people historically suffered religious persecution because they didn't do what everybody else was doing. And we stand back and talk about how heroic that was. But when it's our turn to stand up for ourselves, we don't do it. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. We love to hear about people who took a bold stand or got beat up or fought back or were crucified or vilified. You look at all the people praising Martin Luther King. Oh, Martin Luther King said this. Well, they hated him when he was alive. He was considered an enemy of the state. J. Edgar Hoover wanted him dead. They had put many of the U.S. resources towards his assassination. They had assassinated everybody before him. Now they quote him. They use that to open their speeches. As the great Martin Luther King, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> they actually used to call him Martin Lucifer Coon. <laughs> That's just what you called him. Yeah, so anyway... <laughs> This idea that we can control every part of our life is foolish. It's simply the dalliance of a fool. There are things you can control. You can drive your own car, but you can't drive the drunk's car coming at you head on. You can fly the plane to the best of your ability, but you can't control the birds that are flying in the engine. You can't control the mechanic that worked too late and forgot to put two screws in the engine. But you do your best. As Lao Tzu said, do your best and walk away. And know that this life came to us from a moment of lust and a whim of fate brought us here to this world. Tens of millions of sperm cells fought one another to get to that ovum. You were underwater for nine months and everything worked out right and your ass showed up to a family that was willing to feed you and not sell your kidneys to the highest bidder. So part of it is just freaking luck, man. Just luck. And as many times as it happened, it's ten times more the times it didn't happen. For the eight billion people that walk this earth, there's been 80 billion that's already passed. Life is whimsical. It's fleeting. And 
in the Tao and the gospel itself, we enjoy it as much as we can. If you're born mediocre, enjoy it. Enjoy being no name, no rank. That's what we're all striving for. If you're born with a gift, exhaust it, breathe it out, let it shine as long as it shines until it disappears. Enjoy it in its moment. But yeah, be smart. Put on your seatbelt. Don't smoke cigarettes. Eat less sugar. Exercise on a regular basis. Right? Practice safe sex. Whatever it is you do. But shit happens anyway. But you know, you dotted your I's and crossed your T's to the best of your ability. Now get on with your life. Don't look over your shoulder at others and see what they're doing. Don't try to police other people. Because in doing that, you alienate them. You don't nurture your allies that way. And it's not accepting. We can only control ourselves into a limit. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I follow exactly what you're saying. And I think that one Lao Tzu quote you had in there, do your best and walk away, is critical. Because it gives you perspective that there's only so much you can do. If you step back and... We've talked about the infinity of time and space. In a sense, the utter meaninglessness of this life, the only meaning it has is to us. It's not to diminish the value of life, I think. As you said, we should do our best to enjoy it, express ourselves as completely as we can. But in a cosmic sense, it's kind of like, who cares whether one thing happens or another thing happens or you get the job or you don't get the job. We're all... (laughs) <laughs> gonna wind up dead and it's gonna happen a lot sooner than we think so if you have that perspective I think it helps with the release not attaching yourself to the outcomes which I think is where a lot of the control comes from things have to work out a certain way I need this to happen or that to happen for me to get esteem for me to complete my identity this image of myself that I have in my head how am I gonna hold my head high and present myself to my friends when my daughter is married to someone from a lower caste, or my son is an actor and he's not making any money, or I'm not making as much as a friend of mine, these things are irrelevant. So if we release the attachment to that, and as Lao Tzu said, do your best and walk away, that becomes very freeing, and then that control can dissipate. So if I think about myself, Part of it is an attachment to outcome, a fear of will the work be received, will it not be received. And if I just stand up and say, the hell with it, I'm just going to do it. The rest doesn't matter. I'm going to get it out there. That becomes liberating. If I don't do that, it's like shooting myself in the foot because the product isn't good to begin with. I'm stifling that authentic expression. Too much. So, what have you seen, Z? Let's talk about the health issues for a second. The downside, in my case, I've experienced it directly with trying to control something that can't be controlled. But this is a big problem. I mean, this is beyond art. It infects people in all aspects of life. 
What do you see from a health standpoint that happens when we try and control all these different parts of life? All manners of clutching disorders, all manners of, of hindrances of the homeostasis in the body, this almost hunched shoulders, uh, girding your loins, clutching your stomach up all night, um, all of us are affected by it. Um, things that we would wish we could control that we can't. Things we're trying to create a strategy of control that are uncontrollable. The worry, the worry, the worry that just raises these cortisol levels that destroy our gut flora and create acid in our body. This constant opinion on a top opinion, check, recheck, the redundancy, it creates certain neurosis, um, anxiety, all the things that are toxic. We miss things. Our body is always communicating to us in this quiet whisper about the condition of our body and things we need to do and so forth and we're not able to listen because this hyper diligent um, inspector is running around and is so loud and noisy we can't even hear our own body anymore so our posture is hunched over our chin is down because we're going into the frontal lobe over and over so the platysma goes flaccid and our face hangs and we we age prematurely and then when we do feel our body it has been neglected and it's tired and we're unmotivated and uninspired. And then we're looking for remedy to that, but we're still, that inspector is so loud in our head. Control this, control that. And time is ticking. Kayla, the God of time, is unrelenting, unforgiving. Her wheels are inexorable. You can't get away from it. And all while you're being deafened by the noise of that internal inspector, time is going by. And when you finally realize after after uh, playing the fool for so long, thinking you can control the outcome of all things, everything in your, your, your path, you look up and you realize that five years, 10 years, 30 years have gone by. That's why people say every year, I'm gonna get in shape this year, I'm gonna do a New Year's resolution, and the next thing you know, it's the next year. And it's the next year. I'm gonna start fasting and it's the next year. I'm gonna go back and get another degree or really do something I enjoy Pretty soon, pretty soon I'm going to do it. But the inspector is so loud, you can't hear the clock of time kick ticking. You can't hear her ticking, ticking, tick, tick, tick. And you only have so much time. This tick of that clock is an event, a moment in your life that can either, and you can either enjoy it or you can miss out on it. Every day, millions of people enter into death's door as where new people are coming, the replacements are coming. Realize that this is a, we're on a, an assembly line. And until it's your turn, enjoy this damn life. Lighten up. Yeah, as I said, put on your seatbelt. Eat your vitamin C. Do everything you can, but then go out and live your life. A person like you and some of the others who have artistic abilities, amazing abilities why don't they do it because you know a year after your death you'll be like Kobe Kobe who who Kobe who people already forgot this guy <laughs> Dude, come on Ed. full page articles in the LA Times uh, about his, the anniversary no, of his death but the riot was bigger the Nazi riot was bigger I'm not demeaning anybody, I'm just saying that we will be forgotten. 
When I was a kid, they killed the president. President, which one? Some people don't even know they, oh, president was killed. Which one was that? They don't, I mean, this is life. A billion people were born. When I was, when I was a kid, there were two billion people on earth. They thought people would fall off the world when it got to three billion. That's what they used to say. They had a whole movement called the ZPG movement. You ever heard of that? You ever heard yeah. of ZPG movement? Yeah. No, you're too young. It was the zero pot. Had whole movies about it. Well, I know what it stands for. Sterilize. In India, they had a sterilization. They were just running around grabbing people off the street, just uh, hacking their balls off and pulling their uteruses out. This really happened because they said it was people were going to fall off the world. That's what they said. Zero population growth. It's 8 billion people now. Still ain't falling off there. Still got a yard. The foolishness that we get caught up into. All you can do is live your life to the fullest. And whatever is in your soul, the intangible, the things you believe in, your religion, your idea, family, and friends, that's all your illusion. It's all your superstition. It's all your dream. Make it your dream. Dream your dream. Because when it's gone, it's gone. It's only your dream. That's something that all of us could contemplate. Love with all your heart. Talk to people you care about. If you have a damn gift, let it shine. Take I think the Christian Bible asked the question, what sort of person would have a light and hide it under a bushel basket? Let your light shine so those in the dark can see the right path. Be it your music, your writing, your designing, whatever it is, people have different things. And some people have the gift and some people acquired the gift. From suffering and loss, I have learned to be open-hearted. And in doing that, I have found ways to mitigate the suffering of people to preserve their life. I acquired that gift from great suffering. And it doesn't matter. It's my life. That's all I, you know, that's, that's, that's what I do. Then do you. Everybody do them. Your thing may be doing is just being the best parent you could be or the best friend or the best beloved person. I have school teachers who didn't do anything but were school teachers and they changed the worlds of many people. And all they did was they were school teachers. And they did more than presidents. Mm -hmm. Musicians that I know have, have spoken words and music that healed the soul or inspired people to action. And though we may forget their name, their actions resonate across and bring us a certain quality and a certain improvement in life. So this idea that we can control that that is uncontrollable or stop that is what is changing, make it never change, is the folly of a fool. Yeah, it also flies in the face of life itself, of what makes life interesting, mm -hmm. the constant change. Mm -hmm. That's what we celebrate. The different seasons, the possibilities, life can go in so many different directions. If it were just this linear progression, you'd already know what you're signed up for. There would be no point to participate. No point to be here, Vin. 
You look at people who have no story, who've dotted their I's, crossed their T's just right. And their obituary has a line or two. They were here and they're gone. I was at a graveyard one time. I said, somebody said, gravestone. So he was here and now he's dead. <laughs> I saw that. I said, what the hell? John Smith was here and now he's dead. What? What? Is that it? Why'd you even breathe the air? So for thus of us who are here, tomorrow might be your day or next week or next year. Fate is whimsical. Remember fate, it is a wayward mistress who visits you at the least opportune time. Does everybody understand what that means? Your mistress ever just showed up while you're sitting with your wife at a restaurant? Yeah, I did a shooter, but... Yeah, that's horrible. Isn't that a horrible experience? Anybody who ever had that experience with a, a mistress or a boyfriend or girlfriend that just shows up and like, hey, what's up? <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this is uncomfortable. Then it, it, it alters the whole trajectory of the day, if not the week or the month. That's the nature of life. It is whimsical. So while we're in the flow of it, enjoy it. Show gratitude. That is the thing that I have really taken from the losses of those that I've loved in my life. Is smile with people, cry with people, share. Not everybody. Don't be phony. You don't like everybody. Everybody doesn't like you, but for the people that define you and like you and love you, send them a letter, send them a gift, and don't expect anything other than that's for you. That thing is for you. It's you. You get to do that. And it just feels amazing. You know, because that's it. Life is an illusion of textures and vibrations and sensations. When you know that, there's something very liberating about that. Just to be open-hearted and, and deal with that. And then when trouble comes or when threat or hardship comes, you can then uh, fortify yourself because you're strong. You do everything you can to be healthy and well, then you die. But you know what? You lived. You live. There are people that are alive, but they're just dead. I work with people on a regular basis. Some people are just dead inside. It is just a hint of existence going on. This routine, that routine. It's like the story of finding you go to some apartment building, there's a weird smell in the hallway, right? I lived in New York, there was a weird smell in the hallway for a few months. Then it turned into a more of a kind of a dry, mildewy smell. Then it went away. Summertime came, summertime went, winter came. They went in one of the tenements, a guy was a skeleton in there. Nobody even knew he was a guy who had lived there for 20 years, had no idea who he was. Just stopped showing up for work one day. Nobody asked. Nobody knew. Cleaned out the apartment. Move somebody in the next week. That was his whole life. Joe No Name. That's what you say. Oh, that's oh No Name. Is that the life you want? But he dotted his eyes, crossed his T's, planned everything, did everything. Except didn't have a friend. 
Nobody cared whether he showed up the next day or not. That's a hell of a life. That wasn't even a life. Because it's not a life if it's not acknowledged, right? It's not even a life if you don't acknowledge it. The people in your life make you real. Then when you're gone, you'll be in their dreams. I can close my eyes. I can hear my brother's voice. I can hear his laugh, his jokes. I can see my best friend, my uncle, my mom, my dad. I can see all of them. They exist in me, and when I'm gone, they're gone. Except the stories about them I tell my kids. My six-year-old was asking me, they said, Dad, how old are you? How old are you? I said, I'm old as hell. I'm 10 times your age plus. He said, oh, are you older than Ma? <laughs> I said, well, what do you think? I said, I think Ma's older than you because she's real strict. She's not as fun as you are. I said, well, you're right. Your mom's much older than me. So I said, yeah, but when she was a little girl, I was a grown-up man. I couldn't marry her then due to certain laws and restrictions. So I had to wait. He says, oh, really? But how did she get older than you? Did she just stop having fun? I said, yeah, I guess so. You got a point. I guess I better keep having fun. My daughter had said something like that to me when we were kids and weren't estranged from one another. My 40-year-old, she said, we were little one, she was little, we were doing something. She said, Dad, let's always have fun. She fell asleep in my arms. She said, we had a great day. Let's always have fun. She had a point. Because when you're not having fun, it, it's not really worth, it's not really worth doing anything. If it doesn't lead to fun, and I find fun in the people I love. I love their company. It's cool us just hanging out, isn't it? Just hanging out. Your rude jokes, your weird rude manner, jokes. your rude jokes, your, your your strange manner. It's like being at a circus. Dude, it's like looking in a mirror for you. Yeah, hey. Then we got Caitlin here. I mean, I literally get to go to the circus every day when I deal with my people. I love it. I love it. And I've been really sad. So when I say I love something, I'm happy and I find contentment in it, I really mean it. See, people who have never, ever been sad or never really suffered a loss, who've never really gone to the pit, they don't know how good the sun looks. They don't know how good easy days look, man. See, I know good days. When this little girl comes back in here and she's healthy and we're teasing her and we're back to work, that's a good day. Because I know too many people that they don't have a day anymore. And they were nice like her too. So I'm really like over the top. I'm one of these people, you know, me Vin, on a good day when I'm alone, I watch alien movies that I've seen a thousand times. I watch them again. I know what's gonna happen, but I always feel like it's 19, the summer of 79, all over again. That's when Alien first came out. And it lets me reflect upon all those years 
I'm still here, baby. Still yelling for you, Ripley. Still feeling good in that moment. Remember bringing all my students who were GIs down to a theater. And it takes me through a whole journey through my life. And I'm appreciate. I'm glad I can be here with you. I'm glad I can be here with myself. I'm not afraid to die. Um, I'm not afraid of the next part of this journey. But damn it, while I'm on this train, I want to ride it till the wheels fall off. I want to just enjoy. I really love the company of you guys. I love to see, Caitlin, your story is an amazing story. You came here, broke your shit. You were my bread girl. You used to pay for classes with bread. And you got, you make more money than me now. Caitlin gets donations from people. She is a part of this growing company. She is our friend, our buddy. I said she got all the boys chauffeuring around. Like she's got a living Uber. She's got black Uber around here. She's got <laughs> black and Polish Uber drivers just waiting her foot, hand and foot. You are so loved and you, you are just, it's just a beautiful thing to see in humanity. When I see the rage, the hate, and the fear that's sold to us every day, Z world is not like that. My world is not like that. It's a, it's a crazy, it's, 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 it's my own, as, as, the, as the yogis say, it is, the, it is God's divine circus. But I'm not afraid to live it. I'm not, and I'm not afraid to die. So it, so it goes hand in hand. The tangible and the intangible, one and the same. Yeah, we have daily problems. We have daily issues that have to be overcome that are very troubling and challenging. We, we, the Kofifi has shut us down, broke us to nothing. But through the goodwill and love of people, we get it day by day. Day by day, we make it. We, we make it day by day, day by day. I lay it on the line, people give it back to me. I lay it on the line, they give it right back to me without asking. We just, we just keep moving forward and we have more to come. But in this moment, yeah, it's a good day. Hell yeah. Just let go. Just live. So we talked about some of the themes we talked about last time. The surrendering, the lack of attachment, the gratitude. All things that I think both for the buffering that we talked about and the control. And maybe buffering is just a form of control. These are things that can help us release, be more naturally expressive. What are your ideas? Are there specific exercises? I mean, beyond the big categories that we've talked about, are there certain things that you would tell someone to do if they're just a control freak and they have to get everything to line up the right way and if something goes wrong, they can't take it and they freak out and they don't even know where to get started. What are the exercises you can do to set you on the right path? Well, the first exercise is, again, identifying that that's a problem in your behavior, that you're either borderline psychopathic or sociopathic. And you see that it, it, it's not sustainable. It's not healthy to be that way. It's alienating. It, it destroys relationships with others and it eats you up. Once you realize that, you want uh, one would, would, would benefit from an exercise in being agreeable. Accepting people for where they're at, knowing that you're not the most important thing in the world. Following the mantra, I say get up every morning with my mantra. Eight billion people, ten different stories. You're not that interesting. Eight billion people, ten different stories, you're not that interesting. Just repeat that every morning for a few minutes as you get up and start your day. Realize you're not that interesting. 
You're not special, though you're part of a divine flow, which is utterly divine. But you're, you live on a speck of dust in a parsec of space, moving through infinite time. You're one in eight billion that are one in 800 quadrillion. See how interesting you are? Now lighten up. Now just lighten up a bit and enjoy the ride. Enjoy this short ride from the bus stop of birth to the bus stop of death. It's a short ride, right down the block. So lighten up, enjoy the ride, whoever you're sitting there with, talk, make conversation, except they might be weird, they might be smelly, but you know what, we're sitting here together. Let me make the best of it. Maybe I'll move to another seat on the bus, but we'll all get to the station pretty much at the same time. Just lighten up. And the news that you're listening to or the news of the world is often to guide you to consumerism, to get you anxious to buy stuff. Know it so when you go out and buy stuff, you know why you're buying it. Don't just react to things. But again, I would think the first exercise is realizing that you're not special. Whatever you're going through, you're not the only one. Mm. And, and that it's special to you and the ego has overwhelmed you and you think that everybody needs to hear you out. Nobody cares. Everybody is doing their best. The only people that care are people you've invested time, goodwill in. If you haven't invested time and goodwill into people, nobody cares. So if you want people to care, invest time and goodwill. Then they will care because they will have a mutually vested interest in who you are. There will be mutual, all human relationships based on mutual benefit. So strive to be agreeable. Can you accept people for where they're at that they weren't born to service you? They were not born to make you feel better. They were not born to tend to your whims and with they are not bistros at Starbucks. Okay? Baristas? Baristos or whatever you call those people. <laughs> right? Thank you. Right. So they're not those people that you can get a hot, cold, foam, no foam, latte, decaf, calf. Okay? Those aren't the people in your life. If you need all that, you're a burden on society. If you're a high-maintenance person, you are like an obsolete aircraft that is not airworthy. Lighten up. Lighten up. Goodwill. Put, pay it forward. Put energy into people. Be open-hearted. Be accepting. Magnanimous. Avoid selfishness and greed. And even when you've done all that, know you're not that interesting. You could be Picasso. He's not that interesting. His painting is, but he isn't. A loathsome character, right? Internet influencers, not interesting at all. Just not interesting to 10 million people, that's all. So find, your, find that way to be agreeable, to do things that make you feel alive that doesn't necessarily have to, to, to include or bring down others. Nurture the people you love in your life with all you have, because that's all you have. And there, 
At any moment, they could lose you or you could lose them. Always remember that. The people are always entering death's door every day. And it's random. And it might be you. It might be them. So treat them like that. Follow the Buddha. Imagine the people you love the most dying the most horrific death. Now get on with your day. Lighten up. Open your heart. If you can sing, sing to your heart's content until somebody throws a skillet at you. If you can write, write until your, your wrists are falling off and sore. Share your, share your light. If you can help people, help people with an open heart and be unattached to the results. That will help. Then go out there and go out life, face life every day like you're going to kick ass and take names. You follow me, Ben? Z mentality, one on one. Hey, what do you think about that, Caitlin? Um, I think that uh, cancer taught me how to really let go. So, uh, in the in that process, um, I did realize like all of my controlling tendencies and how they never really served me. And uh, but it's a hard habit to break. It's a pattern that I've accustomed to. So, um, yeah, but now what I've found is that, uh, things, I, I feel lighter. I feel a little bit more liberated in a sense where I'm just like, things don't get to me as much anymore, you know, like little things. And I'm just, it's easier for me to accept. So yeah, that's, that's cool. You should get cancer more often. If that is what Kate say, you gotta get cancer <laughs> figured out. She's doing great folks. I mean, she's got, I almost want to get cancer just to. Um, get treated like Caitlyn gets. I mean, people are waiting on her hand and foot. I gotta admit, it's it's it's. I want more attention, but Caitlyn is getting all the attention, folks. So if you guys like want to send me notes or something like that, uh, please feel free because I really don't feel that important right now. I really feel like one in ten billion as opposed to one in eight billion because Caitlyn is getting all the love over here. Well, <laughs> the next time you can go through five weeks of chemo and radiation. Well, I don't want to go through all that. I just want the benefits of that. Yeah, well, there's, that's... There yeah, I guess you're right. Well, maybe not. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just keep being me. All right? Yeah, good. You don't want your testicles to fall off. <laughs> that's great. That's great, man. That's a great visual, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can close on that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we'll leave so, you on that. Yeah, yeah. Be open-hearted. Be light. Don't take life too seriously. Be agreeable. Kick some ass. Take some names. Uh, I'm gonna try this out tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. It'll work out for you. All right, folks. See you next week. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.